Ready for the interview And if you get a cue Live on the laptop Watch what I'm gonna do Welcome to the show Let them know we got a point of view Hey, yo Let's have a combo Say what you feel Be real, that's the motto Real talk pronto Doctor D, PhD Hit the intro Hold up, wait Gotta be social Network global Home for the locals Gotta be social Network global Home for the locals I said it's going to be interesting because when we were talking on text and you're like, all right, I got another a different movie for us to to go over. Yeah. Long Kiss Goodnight. And I was like, wow, I haven't seen that in ages. Yeah, in I hadn't ages. either. I, I, I don't think I'd seen it. Late 90s, early 2000s. I don't think Seriously. I'd seen it. I didn't think they watched. Wow, I'm sorry. Knocking my <laughs> microphone around. It's going to be noisy. My chair is too low. I <laughs> this realized. is a continuation of off-air stuff, man. Like, <laughs> it adds context <sighs> to the situation. Yeah. This is better. Okay, is better. so yeah, but great recommendation. And I'm, I'm watching it. I actually watched it with my daughter. It was like 11, and she was dying. She's like, "This the one guy curses a lot." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one of my favorite lines that I I had forgotten about, but I um, you know back when I watched it, when it first came out on video or whatever, I don't think I saw it in the theater. I think I watched it when it came out on video or went, went to the local video rental store for yes. a VHS. Ooh. And, uh, anyway, um, be kind, rewind. Okay. Yes, I remember. All right. Um, but I was really in love with Gina Davis back then. Me too, man. Still am. Still am. I just man. actually watched cause she has a new, um, I didn't even know this was a serendipitous, uh timing for this because she just released a, an autobiography autobiography and uh anyway so uh, and i just happened to just see her face on the little youtube thing and she's on some talk show and i was like oh gina davis we're just talking about her yeah and i'm and she's so classy i'm yes. attracted to classy me too actually <laughs> I always tell my wife, I was like, I used to have a big thing for her, man, back in the day, man. I was like, yeah. It brought it back when I watched the movie. I was like, man. Yeah, big time, big time. Yeah, big I was time. really jealous for Samuel L. Jackson. I was like, man, what a guy. What a guy. He gets to what a role. Her. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so I learned this recently, too. I did a moderate amount of research for the for, for our conversation today. Wow. I learned that Samuel L. Jackson's character in The Long Kiss Goodnight is his favorite character he's ever portrayed on film. No. Yeah. That's saying a lot, man. Wow. Because he's done a lot of characters. That guy's so, constantly working, I feel like. Yeah. Constantly. Yeah, I feel like... I feel like he releases, you know, like five movies a year. Yeah. You know, that's what it feels like. That might be an exaggeration, but it just feels like he's in everything. Everything. And when you go back to the 90s before he was huge, um, you realize he was in everything back then too. Like starting in the late 80s and into the 90s, uh, his roles were smaller, but he was working this guy's always been a workaholic it seems yes yeah it feels like that i remember like the first time i saw him was like i think coming to america and he was in that scene yeah. in, in the mcdonald's where he was trying to hold up the mcdonald's i yes. had no clue who he was back then 
but I was like, who is this guy? And I was like, he's hilarious. <laughs> Isn't that funny how, you know, um, I, yeah, he, he might've never worked again. You know what I mean? Yeah. But he has some kind of tenacity. He's not classically handsome. He's not a built guy. He's not right. an action hero. Um, he's not quite a comedian, but he's really funny. His timing, His timing. is excellent. He has intensity. There's so he intensity. Has, he him. has intensity. Has I think intensity. that must be it. The classic Samuel L. intensity. Um, Yelling everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have to say this. The part towards the end, when he's like, you can't kill me, mother. I have heard <laughs> I was dying. I was like, I forgot <laughs> yes. about that part. <laughs> he's got like... Blood drool dripping Ooh. down his. I mean, I don't know whose idea it was to have that much blood coming out of his mouth, but whosever idea it was, <laughs> give them a cookie because it just added so much to him saying that. You know, if he would have been still looking good. Okay, so here's something about that movie that I really appreciated. Nobody comes out of it looking good after an action scene, everybody's <laughs> oh. bloodied black eyes limping around no like superhero walking away from an explosion you know what i mean it's, yeah. it's like no 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 yeah there's some super over the top sequences with samuel L. jackson going flying backwards through the hotel window through the hotel sign into a tree <laughs> and he survives but it's not like Marvel movie survives where he gets up and he's totally fine. Right. It's, 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 he gets up and he's barely able to walk, but he's still going. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> um, here's another tidbit. His character was supposed to die. Oh, really? So that oh. scene in the car, apparently it was supposed to, and, and, and now I'm, I'm a little hazy. It feels like the last line in the car is overdubbed and you see her bracelet hand and she yeah. says, don't forget we're rich. Right. I think that must've been added later. Mm. Might not even be Gina Davis's hand. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, I <laughs> think they must've filmed that shot later, overdubbed that line because when they first showed that to test the test screening, Samuel L dies, Mitch, mm. his character dies. But everybody loved Mitch so much. They were so really, good. really disappointed that he dies. So then they added the ending where he goes on Larry David, which was also one of my favorites. I've used so that good. line so many times. <laughs> so many times. What she doesn't understand is I'm always frank and earnest with all my women. <laughs> in Chicago, I'm frank. And in New York, I'm earnest. <laughs> <laughs> I the like his laugh. Part, and his yes, laugh after that, that is he great. He thinks he's so funny. He, he thinks he's amazing. <laughs> it feels genuine. I wonder if he's really laughing and they just use that take. Right. You know. <laughs> I just <laughs> love it. that. How corny was it? And I was like, this is genius. Like, I think he really meant this. Like, yes. You know, there's there's a lot of things in that movie where less would have been more. All of the preview, like dream sequences cut all those out yeah where she's like seeing her other alter ego right. charlie charlie yeah cut all those out just let us watch charlie emerge 
you know, I don't know what word you want to use organically. Right. <laughs> organically. <laughs> corny, Let's see your transformation like that. happen, you know, like. It, yeah. In real time. No, none of that cornball dream. You don't sequence. have to tell us like it's going to yes. like it's going to happen. Cut all right? that out. Cut out the very end scene where she's happy with her family. We already had her in the car with the president. We know she's good. We know she's all good. End it with Samuel L. Jackson saying his Frank yes. and Ernest joke. Yes. Just end it right there. And then get rid of that 90s alt rock song that they start the credits <laughs> with. You know what I mean? It's just like, <laughs> less is more, less is more with certain <laughs> things like this. Because this movie is super over the top. It's super cornball in, in so many ways. But it toes this weird line of being so entertaining in yeah. the way that Commando is entertaining. Yes. Yes. But it could have been it, everyone, I think critics, everyone could have taken this film a little more seriously, I feel like, if they would have cut some of those completely yeah. unnecessary scenes. And we would have had something that felt a little bit more like the born identity. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. What's interesting, I was like, you were right when we were texting about Samuel Jackson. I was like, oh, yeah. And you said it's like one of his best performances. I was like, why don't I remember that aspect of it? Like, why don't I? But I realized I, there were so many missing pieces to that movie to me, because this is what a, a great thing about the conversation we have. We're going back and watching old movies now they're considered old movies yeah like timeline this wise is like a 38 year they're right 36 year old movie i mean think like simon and i are movie. like eight when these things came out yeah, a lot <laughs> like, of them. yeah yeah so like our eight-year-old selves are watching this through a lens and now our mid 40 year old selves are like wait a minute right what what was what? that Did what that happened like yeah. and like i'm watching the scene where samuel is uh well excuse my language but he's like ass fuckery and he's, he's, he's like oh, i'm dying when i was a kid i did not laugh at that part i don't remember laughing at that part i was like you don't quite get the joke yet but no, i mean I don't get it man this had to come out before when, when did reservoir no not i'm sorry when did um pulp fiction come out oh my gosh wasn't that the 90s that was like the 90s it was right? 90s but was it was it mid 90s before this or, or after because uh... I, what I'm trying to do in my mind is figure out where, when did the classic Samuel L. Jackson monologues begin? Ah, okay. Okay. Because unfortunately this movie was more or less ignored. Now I think it has kind of a cult following. Yeah. Um, but at the time totally panned. I don't think anybody knew what to do with this movie. Right. We we didn't have the born identity yet, right. so this and it's not like this is some super unique, you know, plot. And it's yeah. when it, when you really boil it down, it's really quite stupid. You know, they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna set off this bomb and blow up all these people just for their, <laughs> you know, government um, yeah uh, budgets. Sorry to to be able to get their their budgeting, which I mean. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll go with it. <laughs> I'll go I mean, with I will. it. I'll go with it. I'll just be like, yeah. sure, you guys are going to kill, you plan to kill 4,000, that's what they say, 4,000 people Yeah. to get your budget increase or to keep your budget or whatever. And um, I thought it was so funny that it must have been a Democrat 
Uh, it has a lecture written it. all over it. <laughs> yeah. But he says, but they ask, where's our budget going to go if you take our budget away? And he says, healthcare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow. Um, I mean, you know, they, like I say, they never say it, they, you, you know, what party is in, but he's definitely a Democrat, isn't he? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so that stuff like would just go way above me when at that age, at eight, nine, yeah. ten, you know, it's like, why would you even care about Well, that? this was 90, this was 96. So we were, we oh, were wait old. a minute. No, yeah, this so was, we're, we're like, I was, we're I, like 18, I was 96. 19. I was graduating high school then. Yeah. Yep. I still didn't that's think year, about that's it. That's the year I did graduate. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I wasn't thinking about those kinds of things at the time. No, you know, yeah. You know, how much like, our budget you? went to yeah, <laughs> the military and how much went to healthcare. I, I didn't care. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, the youth. <laughs> yeah. I was like, is that girl paying attention to me? That's all I care You're about. You're like, Gina you Davis know? is hot. That's really what I care about. That's like, there's all, something there. <laughs> that is all. 100%. <laughs> um. The stunts in this, you know, I mean, there, there are green screens and stuff like that, but there's also a lot of, you know, wire work and, right. and people really jumping out of buildings. And um, here's another tidbit. Uh, Samuel Jackson and Gina Davis actually do get into the ice and the, the ice broken ice of the lake to get that emerging, emerging yeah. out of the it water. It looks real though. Look. When you watch it, I mean, it's like, it is real and, and yeah. they had to do it a few times to get the take, you know, and so they had to keep going back in that icy water and Yikes. <laughs> I appreciate the yeah. realism behind that though. Like it's yeah, you um, know, it's kind of like we we're saying with if you guys watched the episode with Wind River, it's like you can tell it's actually cold. <laughs> like yes. you can it's not this isn't a crazy thing. It's real, you know. Yes. Um, it reminded me of the movie Jack Jackie Chan's first strike. Do you remember yeah, that one? Yeah. He skis off and he grabs the helicopter and then he sees the, the missiles coming at the helicopter. So he <laughs> lets go of the helicopter. He falls into the lake below. And yeah, he's really in there too, you know, and they show him in the outtakes going back into the water and like breaking through the ice. And he's like, Oh my gosh, this is so cold. Yeah. So when he comes out of that water and you see him just, you know, freezing, he's no acting required. It's a real reaction. Yeah. yeah. I'd be bad at that. I would be done. They'd be getting the realest you can get from me, man. <laughs> I've never fallen through the ice like that, but I've, you know, I grew up in Alaska, so I've been in a lot of cold yeah. water. Um, cold water that like makes your muscles cramp up and yeah. it can be very dangerous. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I've never fallen through a frozen lake like that i never I can imagine that never that seems so either. cold and actually see you make me think of this stuff when i saw that scene i was like that looked real like <laughs> normally i didn't care about that but i'm like yeah. simon would probably think that looks real <laughs> like, that does look real i mean you know i i appreciate movies that go the extra mile and i appreciate actors who are willing to go the extra mile that scene of them popping out of the water lasts maybe a second yeah they pop up out of the water. They do a really quick cut, and right. then they're they're gone. And you don't they don't even show them getting up out of the water, anything like that. So, for a second of footage, you know they went through a lot to yeah. get that. So, I just really appreciate all that, and that yeah. comes from that comes from us watching the old school action movies, where it was a matter of professional pride to do these things right 
and to do as much of them as you possibly can without the know? doubles right you're yeah, talking about like exactly yeah yeah because you could have very easily filmed it from a different angle had a stunt yeah. woman stunt man in there you know doubling them and just not had th their faces you know so yeah. uh showing so much could have easily done all that you know the actors could have easily requested that requested it yeah <laughs> yeah be like i'm not doing for that, that for that split second, uh, we as an audience maybe would have never even given it a second thought. Yeah. But since we do see their faces so well, it's like, oh, wow. They actually yeah. did that. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was enjoyable, though. Like, I really liked, I watched it and I was like, man, I'm glad I watched this. Like, I don't, I don't think I would have ever even thought of watching this movie again if we weren't doing this. This is one of these movies that, has it, it, it's it's not like constantly on my mind but every yeah. now and again i think about this movie and i think it's because i was so in love with gina davis at the time <laughs> that it had such an impact on me but i and i mean i did think samuel L. jackson's character was the coolest character yeah i love there's a wonderful moment and these are you know this is written by shane black oh the, uh, the those... predator right like yeah. uh yeah he wrote Predator, or no, he didn't write Predator, but he was in Predator. He was in it, yeah. But, yeah, but he wrote, you know, Lethal Weapon. Yeah. He loves Christmas. That so, dude loves Christmas. Yeah. Man. <laughs> A lot of his movies involve Christmas um, in some way or another, you know, just. Uh, but anyway, he's, you know, I, I've seen movies that he's written that were total crap unfortunately yeah. <laughs> i think the last predator movie he wrote that one too right yeah he did yeah i know <laughs> I, I, I i've never read the script i don't know how closely they kept to the script i don't know if it's directing and producing that got in the way of that movie being good at all but certain aspects of the story definitely feel like Shane Black, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. where, you know, the kid gets mailed the suit and stuff like that. And yeah, because he wrote the second Iron Man movie, I believe. Oh, did right? he? I didn't know that. So, and there's a kid in that one, you know, who like helps him fix his suit or yeah. something. I can't remember now, hmm. but and that one happens at Christmas time, I believe. <laughs> You know, fixation with Christmas, right? man. Yeah. I mean, we're going to have that too when we're doing Christmas movies here. Coming up. <laughs> I know. It's going to exactly. be amazing. <laughs> I'm all about Christmas, especially but, Die Hard during Christmas. Like I was telling you, I was like, oh, Die Hard Count. That's exactly. Oh, <laughs> man. See, these are the great action Christmas movies. Um, And of course, Jingle All the Way. Jingle All. <laughs> I actually watched that last year. I watched it last year with my daughter. I'm like, what? <laughs> I, I, just, I just don't even know if I can ever again. It's it's weird, man. I got to be honest. It's kind of weird. It's a weird movie. I mean, I actually really love the inter interplay of Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sinbad. Yeah, yeah. But there's so many moments. I, and, and, you know, how can you go wrong where you fight an army of Santas? You <laughs> right. know, I mean, you know, that's all great. Everything's really <laughs> And then Phil Hartman. Yo, my God, his wife, you know, and like, you know, the creepy, I, friendly neighbor is like, yeah, you know. it's just like, don't worry, taking care of Christmas over here for oh, you, God. buddy. We got <laughs> it in the bag. Um, I mean, it's funny because he's basically a bad dad. He's yeah. like a terrible father. And the transformation, that's Arnold's thing. It's like this transformation. 
you know, into yeah. a better person, you know? Speaking of that, that was, I was going to, I got sidetracked, but my favorite scene um, is Samuel Jackson telling the story about when he's a cop. Yeah. And he's like, you know, my partner, you know, was gone. And then, you know, lo and behold, you know, coincidentally, there's a tip off. Then they go and they find these stolen bonds in my right. closet. And she's like, he framed you. He's like, no, I stole that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's how he delivers it. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah. But they flip that, you know, story on its head. This isn't a guy who's been down on his luck. This is a genuinely, you know, a person who makes bad choices. Right. Genuinely. He's not a great guy. Um, but they find a way in that moment and that's good writing on Shane Black's part where you find a way in that moment to make being a bad person very relatable and yeah. very you, you now you're rooting for him even more because he says he says and he says it so much better because he's Samuel L. Jackson but he says I've never done anything right in my whole life right and, and I can't remember what he says something about like how, you know, how, how amazing that is to not yeah. do anything right your whole life, you know? And, uh, and of course, you know, it's Hollywood movies. So there's always, you know, payoff for people saying that. And, yeah. But, uh, but anyway, <laughs> he's so good and, and he makes kind of stupid corny moments. Yeah. Okay. Because Samuel Jackson is so good when the car when it, when the bit bridge blows up and the cars are falling and the and the girl says don't hit the cars and he gives her that look yep it's like yeah that scene could be so stupid but because samuel jackson gives that look it's worth it the right you don't have to it. say it it's like he you know what he would say if he said something but he just <laughs> gives her that look that samuel intent the intensity again yeah. he brings yeah. intensity non-verbally and verbally and it almost seems like honestly it just seems like he's playing himself on some level too like if you met him that maybe he's probably like that on some level you know maybe i don't, I don't know yeah. he seems you know when i see him talk so i'm a huge magic johnson fan okay well you're a big lakers guy too right yeah so, exactly well yeah. I, i'm a lakers guy because of magic johnson right. Magic johnson came first and then he's on the Lakers, so I got to be a Lakers. Simon, the team's right. terrible again. Just wanted to put that out there. Me... Let's see. They're like two and eight. They're bad. Pretty, pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> bad again. I'm like again. They're bad again. Let's put that. Out there. Somebody, somebody asked me recently what what my thoughts on LeBron James are. Yeah. And I said I told them, you know, LeBron James is having a terrible season so far. And he's averaging like 26, yeah. six and six or something like mm -hmm. that. If that's terrible for, for somebody, what does that say? What does that I say? Mean, that, that would be somebody's dream to average those numbers. Yeah. And he's having a, a bad season. He's playing terribly to LeBron standards. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> say like him or or dislike him but that dude is hands down player. one of the greatest athletes to ever walk the earth for sure hands down hands know. down yeah so so it, it 
I, I don't care if the Lakers win or lose, but it disheartens <laughs> me that somebody of that caliber has to be on this team. Yeah. It, it dis, it, it's so disheartening that they gave up so much of that team that won the championship just a couple years ago because yeah. they didn't want to pay them. <laughs> right. It's the Lakers. And all I mean, those players... On have gone are are that they let go of are doing great on these other teams and they're contributing and they're doing so well. And, you know, we have some, these guys are all professionals, so I'm I'm not trying to put anybody down, but if you compare the lineup that the Lakers have now compared to the lineup that they had when they won the championship and then they didn't want to pay anybody afterwards. (laughs) So they got rid of them all. I mean, it's just a joke. (laughs) <laughs> how do I you mean, really feel about this Simon? <laughs> just, just a doggone joke it's a joke there's, there's maybe four guys in that lineup that deserve a contract with the los angeles lakers right if they were on the washington wizards fine sure sure those are all great guys for the washington wizards but this is the los angeles lakers right. the most winning franchise in nba history these guys don't belong on this roster right i agree <laughs> It's crazy. It's so crazy. I'm sure Magic Johnson has plenty of opinions about it. <laughs> He's like, I brought LeBron James over for this. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you're barely better than the Clippers. Not even that. I mean, it's like... oh, man, it, it's gotten to the point where I, I want the Clippers to beat the Lakers. because <laughs> I just, I, You know what I mean? It's just yeah. like I, I just want Rob Polinka to just sit in the mire that he's yeah. created. It's true, man. It's true. <laughs> Everybody's opinion. You know, you have this greatness. You, <clears throat> how do you screw up the Lakers? I don't know. It's like, pay them. You have the money. Come on. It's like, you have the money you have. It, who doesn't want to play for the Los Angeles right. Lakers? You know what I mean? It, 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 but it, it seems like nobody right now. <laughs> It actually seems like no one right now. <laughs> but I tell you, you know, I, I get so happy when a team like Utah is doing yeah. so well. Right. Utah has no superstars on it. These are all the blue collar working class NBA players. Yeah. They have talent, but they win by working hard and playing together. Sure. And then you have the Los Angeles Lakers who, you know, have Russell Westbrook. <laughs> What do you have to say bad about Russ? Come on. (laughs) So, I mean, if you dish out eight assists, but then you turn the ball over seven times. Is that a disqualified yourself? (laughs) Yeah. You've disqualified yourself from, from being a point guard. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, you've got to turn the ball over if you're, if you're the point guard. Okay. You're going to have turnovers, but give me four. Right. Give me, yeah. give me four turnovers and eight assists. And then I'll be like, okay, that's, that's a, that's a stat we can work with. <laughs> He's coming off the bench now though. It's okay. <laughs> I, I mean, his first couple of games off the bench, he was an all-star it's actually working well for him coming off the bench. Maybe. Yeah. You know? But I, I just, he's just the worst dec- decision maker yeah. in yeah. the game. It's, it's in true. the game. It's true. He's bad with the ball. Honestly, it's, yeah. It, uh, but it's such a predicament because he can't shoot. So he can't be a two or a three. No. So you're just stuck with him at the point guard. And now, so you're stuck with somebody running 
your the the team when they when he's out there who's the worst decision maker <laughs> in the game it's true man and you would think i mean he's been playing like 15 years i don't know what's he been playing yeah, a long time man yeah he's got to be up there at this point he's in his like he's like 33 34 i think you would just <laughs> think his 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 i his his no. basketball iq at this point would be so much better no <laughs> I think there might be something of ADHD about Could it. Be. I was a big Westbrook fan for a long time, man. When he was on OKC, I'm talking huge Westbrook yeah. fan. And then he started being on like a team a year. He became yeah. a team a year guy. And I was yeah. like, he's making bad decisions. It's just, you know. Everybody figured out. And, and, and you know, last year for the Lakers was really it was just like everybody saw through the facade at that point yeah. where it's like, yeah. Oh, there's a reason. OKC could never quite win because mm -hmm. they have the worst decision maker. In the <laughs> NBA. He might be the hardest worker, right? But he's also the worst decision. maker. <laughs> what does that mean in life? <laughs> and are we Hard talking work. about the election or not? <laughs> this sounds like there's a lot of crossover. Hard. here. <laughs> Hard work will only get you so far. You, you know got to make saying? good decisions. <laughs> you got to make. Be, there has to be something within you that uh, I think we mentioned it a few episodes back. Life math. You have life to be math. able to do life math. And yes. if you can't do it, all your hard work is for naught. And that life is math. the sad case of Russell Westbrook. He's probably going to retire, never winning a championship in the NBA. And, you know, that's not the biggest deal in the world. He's had yeah. a successful career anyway. He's he's an amazing athlete. Um, he's, you can say so many great things about Russell Westbrook. Yeah. But if there's one player in the NBA right now who I think has defeated himself, kept himself from winning. Yeah. It's Russell Westbrook. Yeah. You know what's weird, though? Simon is, he seems to have made a lot of great decisions in his personal life. Like he seems to be a genuinely good human and makes good decisions. What's the basketball part? Like, I don't know. Happen? His, his wife, I think is a, a counselor or a psych. Something like that. She, but she they works seem to have in, a great in, thing. in the psychiatric field in some way in, in, in mental health she, um, in some way. So she must really balance him yeah. when he's off the court. Because whenever I see him being interviewed or when I see him play basketball, I see somebody who's not good at making decisions. Yeah. He's not good at deciding how to interact with reporters, how to talk to people. He's not good at interacting with his team on the court. Yeah. And you see it, you know, the most disheartening thing as a fan watching a game is to see other players disappointed with what their teammate is doing. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I know. It's like, you can see it on their face. They're like, mm, no. Yeah. Oh. But he has the intensity. See, th this is a great segue or comparison to Samuel Jackson. See, I consider Samuel Jackson to have a very similar Westbrook intensity, but he makes better decisions. In his professional Makes career. Great decision. It seems like he has a very good personal life as well that I don't think he shares a lot of it, but 
he seems to have got it on both ends. Westbrook seems to have a very good personal life, but he's making terrible professional decisions. So he's like not harnessing the intensity properly. Whereas Samuel, yeah. I think, is harnessing his intensity beautifully. And from from what I can tell, you know, yeah, I think some actors bring that intensity because that's who they are in real life. And then other yeah. times I think actors who are super chill in real life, they're able to bring that because it's so fun fun to do yeah. something you wouldn't do. Yeah. To, to talk to people in a way that you would never talk to them. And, right. you know, I don't know Samuel L. Jackson at all. Sure. Nothing about it. We him. definitely don't know. Him. <laughs> I brought up Magic Johnson originally because they're such good friends. Oh, I didn't know that. They go like on these trips to Europe all the time, like their families, you know, travel together and stuff like that. Okay. Um, Magic Johnson's epic European vacations are stuff of mm. legend. Not that he's like, you know, burning down, you know, Paris or something like that because he's partying so hard, but just that, you know, he just takes a month or two months out of the year and just enjoys Europe. And yeah. he brings his friend, close friends like LL Cool J, sure. Samuel L. Jackson, yeah. you know. That's nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, so what that says to me is that Samuel L. Jackson is a really fun hang. Right. Because Magic Johnson isn't going to hang out with somebody who is, you know, a jerk. He's just, right. that's just not Magic Johnson's, yeah. you know, M.O., <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's a fun Mr. guy. Positive. Yeah, he's you know he wants to have fun. He wants to. So anyway, so that's my read on Samuel Jackson. Just because he's guilty by association with Magic Johnson of being a really great guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think he must be having so much fun when he gets to play a character that is so terrible. Yeah, and says these, and and he gets to do these short monologues that are just so intense and things yeah. like that. It's so great. You know, actually, you know what? It's funny. Like, you know, you've on this podcast shared a lot about yourself and right. this, this, uh, this whole segment is partially like a tiny percentage part of birthing everything. I hate about me. Tiny percentage. You yes. obviously you, you're a genius when it comes to making all this stuff. But like for me personally, I want to be the hang guy. Like, I want to be the guy people want to hang out with. Like, yeah. that's like, that's like a big thing for me because I value that in other people. Like if I meet somebody and I'm thinking, man, this would be pretty boring to spend time with this person. Yeah. Like it just really like it decreases, not like there could be a great person, but I don't want that level with them, but I want that level with, with people. So yeah. I, I want to like be, I guess I'm looking at my, I want to be perceived and it's genuine the hang guy i want to be enjoyable to other people yeah you know i no i i think i think there's something you know to that i um i've never tried to be mysterious or or um off i, I don't know like off-putting right. or whatever you want to phrase sure. it um but I've I've been told that that not, maybe not mysterious is the wrong word, but that I'm standoffish really? sometimes. Yeah, or, or just in crowds or groups. Hmm. Um, 
or that people get a vibe that I don't, I don't, uh, maybe a little bit of a curmudgeon vibe, <laughs> which, which to me is hilarious because I don't think of myself as a curmudgeon at all. I no. think of myself as a person with strong opinions. Okay. And I think of myself as a person who doesn't like to waste time. So if somebody, and I, I don't like wasting time and I don't like expendable things. Mm. If that makes sense. So I don't like to buy junk, cheap crap. Yeah. So people think I'm a curmudgeon about the holidays because <laughs> I don't want to buy, you know, a bunch of strings of lights made in China and hang them up on my, you know, in my house, you know, I'm just like, why? <laughs> I mean, get, give me one reason why I should do that. And people are like, yeah. well, it's Christmas. It's like, so what? <laughs> it's the curmudgeon part. <laughs> you know? And so just, yeah. <laughs> and people like, well, well, that's what you do at Christmas. Says who? Yeah. See, yes. Yes. The questioning. You know, that's it. I mean, just like, give me, give me one way in which put, hanging up a string of cheap lights made in China celebrates Jesus. <laughs> it doesn't. Come on. <laughs> just give me a freaking break. <laughs> one way in which that stupid Santa ornament that, you know, once again, made in Taiwan or some other, you know, place, no. you know, is, is celebrating Christmas. I mean, I don't care about this crap. I love holidays. I really do. Yeah. I love spending time with my kids. There are certain things I just love to do, like cookie making, you right. know, things that involve, you know, people being together and, and having fun together. When's the last time anybody had fun hanging decorations no. with their family? No. <laughs> no it's way, the man. Most frustrating thing. It's not great, honestly. It's not. <laughs> Which is why I refuse. I refuse to put up lights outside of my house ever. There you go. I'm not gonna I've not done it. I feel the effort is not worth it. Yeah. It's just how I feel about it, man. I just like this is just a lot of work for something I'm really never gonna look at, honestly. I'm gonna turn on it. I don't know. It just seems and then you know the worst part is everybody I talk to that does it. They never want to take it down because of the effort behind it and stuff. Yep. I'm like, I just, it just seems inefficient for me. <laughs> I know that sounds bad, but you know, I don't know. <laughs> it, it, it's completely inefficient. If, if, if people wanted to light some candles in your window for, sure. you know, some tradition or something like that, you know, Hey, some, you know, cool, whatever, yeah. you know, it, and I'm not against other people doing whatever they want to do. Sure. I don't look at somebody else's house that they have lights on it and think, oh, well, you for, 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 you Yeah, I don't either. Time. No. All this, you guys, you celebrate. But when people come to me, they ask, why don't you do that? And and they're acting like I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> because I, Jim Gaffigan put it so perfectly when he talked about Christmas trees. And he said, it's the actions of a drunk person. <laughs> He's like, you know, he's imitating maybe the first person to drag a tree into their house. And the wife <laughs> is like, hey, what's this? And he's like, just put this tree here. We're going to put the lights <laughs> on it. That is for Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> this is so stupid. It's yeah. so dumb. <laughs>
So these are the, these are the things that people think I'm curmudgeon about yeah. because I don't want to do it. Right. Right. I, I feel, but you know, last night we got a jump start on the holidays. A friend of mine made this amazing pumpkin pie with this mm. almond crust. Oh. So for dinner last night, we had <laughs> pumpkin pie, ice cream, eggnog, and whipped cream, man. I mean, it there was, you go, man. Here's a secret for you. Uh, uh, one health, former health professional to a, to an, another, <laughs> um, my post-workout smoothie today was a small slice of that pumpkin pie into the blender <laughs> with eggnog <laughs> and then some milk, two scoops of vanilla whey. I love it. Mixed berries, raspberries, blackberries, blueberries. And chia seeds. Yeah. <laughs> Throwing some chia seeds in there. Best post-workout smoothie I think I've ever had. Oh, my gosh. So good. <laughs> this so curmudgeon good. thing for me is a strange thing about you. But, you know, maybe it is just because I've gotten to know you in a very different way. You know, yeah. like we're spending all this time. And so I think about, like, how does someone think about you or me when they just meet us in mm -hmm. a random setting? You know, they're observing. How would they even know about you or me if they never saw us like this? You know, like, yeah, well, like, you don't you do have to hang. You got to hang. That's the so that's the thing is there's got to be a hang. And my thing is, like, I want people to feel like they feel open to hanging with me. And so then they're like, oh, OK, like this feels good. You know, like yeah. it seems like a really easy going person, easy to get along with. I, I subscribe to that, you know. I I try to be that. I think I am that. You know, I think you I, I are. Think, I feel yeah. that with you. Yeah, I feel that. And, <laughs> but um, you know, and then uh, but then I have strong opinions, and yes. and I feel like it's something that the older I get, the more comfortable I am voicing yeah. strong opinions. I'm not worried about burning bridges. I'm not worried about <laughs> this, that, or the other. It's like I really don't care. <laughs> you know, I like just about everybody I've yeah. ever met. You know, I there's very few people on this earth that I genuinely don't like. I feel the same about that. Yeah. You know, I could so, count like two people where I was like, it's a bad person. Like, yeah. You know, like, yeah, this bad is person. <laughs> bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but genuinely, uh, on the flip side of that is that I don't care if they like me. <laughs> I love it. My my self worth is there's no basis on whether or not somebody likes me. Right. And that's I think a, a blessing of ego or something. I'm not sure <laughs> what it is. Maybe maybe slightly sociopathic or something. You know, where you just you don't care if the other person likes you. But I enjoy liking other people. Yeah. This <laughs> so, is a, here we go. <laughs> So, well, I'm just saying to your point, right? I, I, I enjoy, um, I enjoy this mono a mono, sure, small group, something like that. Uh, I enjoy deep, meaningful conversation. I don't like small talk. Uh, yeah. I want to skip the small talk right away. Yeah, I'm. The and same I've been way. known for asking some absurd things in order to just get the small talk out of the way. <laughs> You know, I, I once, it was so funny. I was uh, hanging out with my band. This is back in Portland, hanging out with my band after uh, a show. And we're, we're outside at summertime and we're outside of 
uh, a place in really well-known place in Portland called Voodoo Donut downtown. And I'm meeting this uh, person for the first time. And I ask him, you know, I was like, I don't know. I don't know how to get to know people. I just, yeah. I, so I, I just, <laughs> I ask him, when's the last time you were in love? <laughs> just, uh... <laughs> uh, one of my bandmates looks at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> it's like, you just met this person. You guys have barely even said hello to each other. It's good. Pick just a line. Skip. It could be. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, when's the last time you were in love? So, when's the last time you were in love? Right. I mean, honestly, you got to know that that sounds a little weird to people. <laughs> but, but you know, now we've skipped all that small bull crap because we're all the way into when's the last time you were in love. Right? Yeah. And then they skip to the part where they go, is this a creepy guy? Is this yeah. like <laughs> And there's like, okay, either this guy is really fun or he, or I got to get away from him immediately. <laughs> and you're, I think you're okay yeah. with that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm totally fine. Totally yeah. fine. I, yeah. I, I, I tell a lot of lies to people that I'm, I'm pretty sure I'll never meet again. <laughs> what? Just to make things interesting. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I, I got to hear this. I want people to have a memorable experience. So I will just say stuff. I can't take it. Right. <laughs> Wait, I just heard that come out of you. I tell a lot of lies to people. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> you know? I've never heard that before. Yeah, I mean, seriously, I mean, there's oh. there's billions of people in the world. Chances oh. are, if I if I, chances are, I'll never see this person again. And we're talking. I I'm I, I'll I might say anything. It, I mean, there's no holds barred. Like what? Um, what's your best James Bond impersonation? Him, <laughs> okay, here's actually a delightful one. Um, okay. I I I was dressed as a mime. No, a clown. Okay, oh, a clown wasn't my idea uh, a, a really great friend of mine uh, back in portland had this wonderful idea he and his wife come over for dinner and we're hanging out and and he turns to me and he says he, he called me simon so he says simon oh you call me simon too i forget uh, anyway he says simon what do you think about dressing up as mimes and going downtown and i'm like i mean i'm into it but he's like what if we get a bunch of people together and we all dress as mimes and it would be like, be like a, a mime squad or something. And I said, a mime brigade. And he says, Ooh, I like that. So we did a mime brigade <laughs> and then we followed it up a year later or something like that with a clown brigade. It's <laughs> going on here. Scare the heck out of people. Anyway, we finish our clown brigade and I'm heading home and i'm gonna get on the train to go home oh no I'm, I'm i'm at the train station and these beautiful gorgeous young ladies show up at the train station they are all dressed to the nines they are obviously heading downtown where i was just leaving uh to go clubbing or whatever turns out it's one of their one of their somebody's 21st birthday and so they're they're gonna go party uh but when they see me, they say, hey, do something clowny. And I look at them, completely straight face, and I ask, what do you mean? And they're like, you know, 
do like a, a clown trick or something. And I asked them, why would I do a clown, <laughs> a clown trick? I know where this is going. <laughs> you get it, right? Yeah. So yeah. eventually, you know, they, well, they ask, you know, well, why are you dressed like a clown? It's like, this is just how I, I dress. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, you just dress like this, like, like every day. And I say, yeah, this is just what I dress like. This is how I like to, to dress. We get conversing. These are some really, there's like five of them. They're all yeah. so sweet. I tell them that I'm going to meet this girl. We're going on our first date. And I really hope that she's the one. What's <laughs> <laughs> going on, man? And they're like, does she know you and that you dress like this? Oh, and I say, oh yeah, she's seen me around the office. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I really put on like, I really tear, pull at their heartstrings because yeah. I, I say, you know, I'll be fifty soon. <laughs> I was only like thirty-five. <laughs> I think I don't know. <laughs> I was like, I'll be fifty soon, and I. Uh, I've never had a girlfriend, so I really hope this goes well. Oh and they're just God. like, oh, and they're just, and I just keep going with it. And they are so in love with me by the yeah. end of this whole thing. And the train comes and they're just giving me all these hugs. And they, one girl, she's holding me extra tight and she just whispers in my ear. She says, I hope she is the one you deserve happiness. <laughs> This is before they started drinking, right? <laughs> this like... is before they started drinking. These are completely sober. They're just heading downtown. So now, but now they have this great story to tell. That they <laughs> met this you. guy who just dresses like a clown every day. And he's going to try and meet the girl of, of you know, that he's, and, and he, so it's just stuff like that. It's harmless. <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> it's, 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 it's harmless. It's, it's, it's to amuse myself. Yes. And it's so that somebody else goes away with this great story that they can tell other people. Yeah. And you know they told a bunch lie. of people. Right? Oh, yeah. You know they told. It was like one of the first they, things they told. Them. They're probably still telling that story. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> can we find Can we find those ladies? <laughs> I want to find out how many people they've told this story to. Right. And, and watch this. Wanna... This is not a 50-year-old clown. <laughs> like, no. Actually, it could be. He actually could be a clown at fifty when he turns. Uh, maybe, yeah. <laughs> you know, I've got five years to. You got how some long time. Does clown school take. <laughs> That's a different an accelerated level. Accelerated program. Yeah, yeah. That's a different level. See, I probably would never do that. It's not like I couldn't do it. I just don't think I would even think of it. Like it's like. Yeah. Um, this is a different thing with you, Simon. It's living theatrically. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you have life math down too. <laughs> I, I don't know if I have life math down in, in some ways, maybe, but I think I have um, life theatrics down, which is really funny because, you know, people seem they, they just see a really chill yeah. person, right? I'm, I'm so chill. And I don't think most people would, would, uh, until they get to know me a lot better, would, would understand the theatricality. Yeah that is within me yeah and that i am constantly um a a, a character wanting to come out mm. you know yeah um i love acting like different people i just do yeah 
Yeah. That's why your podcast is so good, I think, is because you put on this voice and this character, which is you. I mean, but it it's has a, a real a side of me. Right. It's a it's it has a real theatrical vibe to it. It's like I, a I, one man show. Everything like is that. Simon, you know, <laughs> it's funny. There's Simon, it's quirky. There's Eli, there's, yeah. yeah, there's music, there's self-deprecation. You know, there's all these different experiences. <laughs> I think it's like a full spectrum of being a human is what your show is about. Oh, man, I love that. I, that that's what I. That, if there's anything that I just want to define myself as, it's just human. Yeah. I don't, I don't care about being and, and, and it's not that I don't love these things, but yeah. I don't care about being uh, American Christian, you know, <clears throat> Alabama. I definitely don't care about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, white guy, blonde hair, you know, none of that stuff uh, matters. I love being human. Yeah. Which is, which is, one of the we're spilling over to religion ready right? it's always <laughs> happens man one of the things that really turns me off about religiosity is this longing for another existence yeah away from this one it's the same thing that turns me off about politics yeah this longing to be a different nation or a different you know it, yes we should all be wanting to improve who we are as uh, individuals, societies, nations, what have you. But you have one side that wants to say, oh, we want to make things great again. So we have to change back to what we were. And you have another side that says we were always shit. Yeah. We've always been shit. Yeah. And unless we change, we'll always be shit. And I just think those two extremes really turn me off. Yeah. Yeah, it turns me off too, man. I love my existence. And I know that comes from a place of privilege because I have a very privileged existence. A lot of people in the world don't have the wonderful existence that I enjoy. But I love being a human right here, right now. Yeah. And I don't feel the need to transcend to another existence <clears throat> Things are just great as they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You always have good takes, man. I got to tell you. <laughs> it's like a, it's like an adventure with you. Because there's like all these different takes. And they're all like one's moving this direction and the other takes going over here. Then one's going up here. <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's like, wait, the arrow went here. Boom. Went over there. Wait a minute. What did you just oh. say? <laughs> like... In a way, I understand that ADHD that Russ, I accused Russell Westbrook. <laughs> yeah, you're like <laughs> intensity, bad decision making. <laughs> like, uh... well, because you and I are so easygoing, I don't think people clue into how intense you and I are. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. You know, I don't think people clue in probably to how intense your mind is, but I knew it from the get go because thank you of of this whole just from the podcast that you're doing. Yeah. Because. Uh, We've talked about this, just curiosity. Yeah. When I meet another curious human, somebody who shares the, the kind of curiosity that I have to just want to learn about everything. Yeah. Not just one thing. It's like this, this world is amazing. I want to learn about everything. Yes. And everyone, everyone's story. 
once you start listening to them, everyone has a great story. Yes. Everyone. Yes. Everyone, literally. And I think like this is definitely rubbed off on me, like doing this. Like I find this like shifting. And I was telling uh, Michelle, my wife, I was like, you know, talking to Simon's been good because I feel like, again, the spirituality, religion thing. I feel like I've never met someone who was in the same space as me in that aspect. Mm. Like I can I was telling somebody this other day, I can vehemently be opposed to the church's view on lesbian, gay, transgender. This is wrong, but still believe and have both those things could be part of my life. And I just don't see a lot of that. It's like, well, nope, you can't question that. This this is part of the deal. I'm like, yeah, but it's not. It's Boy, is not. it not. Why, 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 why are we, why? And I said something, I think we said to the person, I was like, I actually think God wants us to question these things. I really do. I know that's a very different take, <laughs> but it's a hot take. But man, it's to me, it's the take that requires the most amount of critical thinking and courage because you're going up against an opposition that says everything is true. There's yes. no variance. I just don't believe in that. I could still believe and have a lot of questions and say, you know. You know, every parent is different. So, but I think your parenting and my parenting are very similar in that we love it when our kids show their own curiosity yeah. and their own ability to, to think deeply. And we don't care so much about them being wrong. Yeah. So long as if they're thinking it's when my children are thoughtless exactly. that I get so frustrated Right. when they do things without thinking. That's when I get frustrated. I can only imagine God watching people. This is going to sound like an accusation of, of all religious people. It's not meant to be. But when I see people who say it's true because it says it's true, and they're all going to into that building yeah. and they're all believing that this thing is true because the thing that they say is true itself says it's true. That's the proof. That's the proof. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's like the book is true because the book says so. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Right. So when that's your, your proof, that's what you're going with. I think God must be so disappointed. Right. Exactly. Like, I gave you this whole world. I gave you this brain. I gave you all these synapses that can fire at any given time. All you have to do is put your put your mind in motion and and pick up that book about you know uh, Syrian uh, history. Sure. <laughs> you know stuff like that. And 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 all of a sudden the Bible becomes less true and a lot more interesting right right <laughs> you know i don't know it just feels like it's it's okay to question things and be curious it's like in my mind i've told my wife this there is no way in my my thought process that god would ever hate people who had different sexual preferences or yeah. would care about that like seriously really that seems so ridiculous to me <laughs> like but yet it is defended vehemently by people with, but it's just, it doesn't make sense to me. You know, I was talking to my son 
my children have grown up so differently than I grew up. Yeah. You know, obviously they grew up um, by comparison in a very liberal household. Um, and, and especially with me, but I had to come to that on my own. Yeah. And it, because it wasn't taught to me, nobody came to me and, and, with these ideas. So anyway, I was telling my son about the moment. And I said, unfortunately, this moment didn't happen until like my mid early to mid twenties. Yeah. Where the thought finally crossed my brain. It wasn't random. I was thinking about it. I was concentrated on it because gay marriage was a huge topic at the time. And I just thought to myself, in the eternal scheme of things, who cares? What what are the consequences of, let's just say, a man wanting to be with a man in heaven? Well, <laughs> and, the, and the more I thought about it, the more I, the more it unraveled to the point where I just had to say, "Wow, all Christianity is a bunch of bunk." I mean, literally, <laughs> no, literally, I mean, it, it, it just kind of happened in that way. And I, and I don't mean that every teaching is bad, but like you said, like you said, we can live within this paradox. Yeah. I love Jesus. I love the teachings of Jesus. Yes. He never once said one dude plus another dude is bad. <laughs> right. You know, that's just not in the new test. It's it, just not. Jesus never talks about these things. Why? Because maybe because they're not as important as a lot of people want to think they are. <laughs> right. Maybe they're not of any importance whatsoever. And the important thing is what Jesus said, love thy neighbor. So that's what my son and I were just talking about. And I, and I, and, you know, and I just said, I don't think God cares what religion you're in. I don't think God cares if you believe in God which completely disqualifies the old testament to <laughs> right. me sorry right. everybody yeah but the old testament is a story of of a god trying to prove he's god right that's the whole old testament the entire old testament is god trying to prove he's god yahweh trying to prove he's god so when you re release yourself from that and you just do what jesus said Love thy neighbor. And I was mentioning to my son, and when he taught that, it was part of that teaching was the parable of the Good Samaritan. Yeah. The important thing about that is the Samaritan is not only a different country, it's actually Samaritans, and a lot of people don't know this, so I'm just bringing it up. They're actually the remnants of the other 10 tribes. Right. And they have a bad relationship with Judah and, and, and the Jewish people, terrible relationship. So not only are they a hated people, right? And so this, I'm just saying this, this brings all this together because the, the, the parable of the good Samaritan is somebody who is an enemy, who is the good neighbor, right? And he's somebody from another country. He's not anyway. So that, that that's what matters. That's all that matters. If you're a good neighbor, as a person, as a nation, no matter what scale you bring it to, no matter what topic you're you're talking about, whether you're talking about um, just 
knowing if your neighbor needs something, yeah. your actual neighbor, or if it means you're being conscientious about taking care of the environment for future generations. Right. It's all about being a good neighbor. And if your attitude is, <laughs> you know, like hating somebody because of the way they love, you're not a good neighbor. Therefore, you're not a Christian because you're not a follower of Jesus. That's exactly right. That's the hot take that people need to hear. Right. Because we're not. And I was saying this the other day to people. I was like, I'm just going to tell people this stuff and I'm not going to be nasty about it, but I'm going to tell you what you need to hear about this and what is and you may not like it. You may not like it. But if no one else is telling you this, you, this is a huge disservice to what you believe in for this. And I think like if you dropped into our conversation, let's say someone just boom, dropped in. Somebody got in the Zoom pop. They'd be like, wow, these guys, like, they must not be into their faith at all. No. Right? You hear it. You're not thinking this at all. Yeah. That's the complete opposite. (laughs) What? It's true, actually. It's that we care so much. We care. That's exactly right. So much. It's the intensity (laughs) that that we were talking about earlier. Intensity. You care so intensely about something that you're willing to, to burn it down. And, 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 you know, I hope people don't take that in a literal way because right, I'm not, right. I'm not trying to promote another January 6th. No, no. <laughs> but you're able to burn down maybe some of the ideas the that ideas. you used to hold. Yeah. You, you open your mind up to say, I'm, I'm willing to take on actual truth instead of the tr- false traditions that have been passed down to me. Yes. Yes. That's the difference between science and religiosity in, in, mm. in most ways. Science is constantly proving itself wrong because it's in search of the actual truth. Whereas religion is constantly trying to prove wrong right. Right. Like, oh, we, you know archaeologists, historians, all these people keep proving all these things were wrong and re- religion keeps saying no it's true because the book says so. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> most definitely. You know, and it's just and to me once again, you know, the bible is so much more interesting when you know the truth about it. Yeah. Most definitely. I, I, I I think I mentioned it in the last podcast episode of mine. I read the Bible every day. I do. Yeah. I study it every day. And every day I find something else that I think is malarkey. <laughs> I love this, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> Again, something you would never hear someone say in that context, like ever. It was, yeah. oh, you know what? You're they would say to you, Simon, you're not a good Christian. You, how could you say that? I'd be like, how could you not say that and question some of these things? Yeah, exactly. You know, how could exactly. you not? Caring about your beliefs doesn't mean coddling them. You know, it's funny to me that I think most Christians tend to be 
conservative, right? right. I, mean, I mean, maybe not. I don't, I don't know, but that, that's stereotypically what it's we a stereotypical think of. Thing, in this yeah. country, at least, we think of conservative you know so they're calling the liberals snowflakes but the moment you say oh well the bible's wrong about something then they melt right <laughs> you know and it's like how about just facing up to the facts yeah and then realigning certain things it, it, it's jesus still happens his teachings still hold up you know the the Beatitudes. Mm. Jesus never said them. Not like that. No. He might have taught those principles, but somebody is taking a lot of poetic license. <laughs> right. and we know that because they were written in, it was written in Greek and there's a lot of poetic things That's in correct. the Greek that don't work in Jesus's native tongue. Right. Why? Why does that matter? Yeah. Doesn't matter. The teachings are still great. The Beatitudes are still awesome. They're still words to live by. Who cares if Jesus actually said it word for word like that yeah. or not? Yeah. Who cares if Jesus ever even existed? Who cares? Because the teachings are still good. Right. Most of them. <laughs> there it goes. Jesus. <laughs> Sorry. Every time I just think, okay, wait a minute. There's all, there's always an exception. And, and you know, that that's why I think it's one of the most important things to to realize that a lot of the Bible is either completely untrue or somebody's taking poetic license with mm. it. Because once you accept that, then you can start to say, okay, that's why there's inaccuracies within Jesus Himself. Yeah, that sometimes, you know, He's all about love, and then other times He says some stuff that's like that seems kind of uncharacteristic for the guy <laughs> who just said this other stuff. <laughs> But when you realize that there's so many people taking poetic license yeah. with, with what he said, and that they're 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 trying to cultural, you know, bring about a cult, a Christian culture. Yeah. And so sometimes they're probably misquoting and weaponizing Jesus for the benefit of trying to build a Christian culture. Sure. Anyway, you know, it it it, it just everything kind of makes a little bit more sense. Well, it does. You know, actually, I don't know if you know this person, um, well, know them, but like of their work, but uh, Kristen Cobes Dumez, Cobes Dumez. She's she's an avid uh, speaker on her book, uh, Jesus and John Wayne and how I, I know that book, you know, I the book. Right. Name. So yeah. basically how like conservative Christianity, extreme evangelicalism has basically taken made it a warrior Jesus. So Jesus yeah. is Braveheart. It's William Wallace. This is a Jesus that will stick a, a boot up your ass. And this is a violent Jesus. And this is essentially what a far right evangelical Christianity is composed of. This is a masculine, very masculine Jesus. Yeah. This is He's a kicking crusader, the shit out of people. Crusader Jesus. He's a crusader Jesus. Yeah. yeah. It's just like if, if you know the theology, you understand the history. It's like, what? Like, like, wait a minute. Like, am I reading a different thing here? I just, you know, exactly. it's, you know, it's, they take license and create a character out of Jesus. Yeah. It's, it's much like the, the picture, the caricature or yeah. the picture of Jesus as this Italian Jesus. Right. 
with a MAGA hat on. I saw this not that long ago, an Italian Jesus with a MAGA hat on. It's like this is like literally taking this massive jump to create a different Jesus. Yeah. To fit the narrative, you know. You know, that's what religion does. That's what propaganda does. That's what propaganda does. Yeah. And so much of religion, and I wish people would understand this, is propaganda. Yeah. It doesn't matter what religion it is. It could be the most peace-loving religion out there. A lot of it is propaganda because it's not true. It's an exaggerated version of something in order to get people to follow. Yeah. You know, and 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 no matter how good the intentions are, it's still propaganda. And, and, and I don't mean to use that word in a negative sense only, but I'm just trying to get across the point that the reason a lot of things, and we're just, the Bible is what you and I know. So I'm just yeah, bringing that up. Of course. You know, if you and I knew, you know, some other religious sure. literature better than we'd bring that up. But, but the reason that so much of the Bible is composed the way it is composed is for propaganda purposes, you know, it's it's to show that that Yahweh is the one true yeah. God, and that and to try and convince everyone that the Jews only ever worshipped Yahweh when right. we know that's not right. True. Yeah, <laughs> you know? of course. I mean, we just know it's not. So anyway, it, it and so much of uh, the New Testament is yeah. is propaganda for those for those purposes, you know, and and if we understand also how the Bible is was compiled, I think a lot of people, uh, you know, think to themselves that there was, you know, this, and in fact, I know this to be true that a lot of people misunderstand the the Neocene however you say it, yeah. you know, uh, it, w- it, when they composed the, the creed and everything. And, and a lot of people think that that's when they put the Bible together too. And it <laughs> really had nothing to do with it, no. you know, and, and, it, the, and people think that there must've been some like a real official putting together of the <laughs> text when it was really kind of haphazard. It was, especially yeah. The New Testament was very haphazardly put together and what was put in, what wasn't put in so much of that was just preference of, whoever you know was yeah. there at the time and they yeah. just decided yeah maybe not that one <laughs> and, and to their credit we right. probably end up with the least far-fetched right you know right. gospels and things like that right there are a lot of other gospels out there that are you know you read them they're a little wacky yeah exactly you know yeah <laughs> so so we probably got the least wacky version of of the, the of the the story of of Jesus but it's not the only version there is lots of other versions out there and they frankly a lot of them have just as much veracity to them as the mm. ones we have yeah Matthew Mark Luke and John none of whom wrote those things mm. you know and on and on you know it's just know. it's just silly um that that we put so much stock in things like you know when I mentioned to somebody that oh Mark didn't actually write the Gospel of Mark and they're just like what are you talking about of course he did <laughs> it's the Gospel of Mark it's like no super common back then yeah for people to write under somebody else's name to try and get people to read it and right. you know and so but but that doesn't mean it's not true and it doesn't mean it's not good and doesn't mean any of those things it means it's not what people have been saying it is for all this time yeah that we have so many false assumptions and traditions that get passed down to us 
And we just need to be able to let those go. Otherwise, what happens is what you were just talking about. We re, religion becomes militant. It becomes militant. Yes. It it and it gets wrapped around whatever the narrative you want to be put out there. And so currently it's the narrative of a warrior Jesus on the far evangelical conservative spectrum for yeah. that. That there were that we're gonna be super macho. Jesus didn't take any shit. Uh, literally, like that's what it is. It's like a weird Toby Keith song. I mean, it's just it's like so crazy. It's so crazy to me. I'm it's like, so what crazy. are you talking right. about? Like the you guy know, who healed the ear of the of the of the right. of the soldier who's taking him to his death and willingly gave himself up to death to be crucified. Right. The guy who spit in the mud and put in the sand, yeah. and put the mud on the guy's <laughs> eyes to go into the lake and then come out into sea. Yeah, that's yeah. a kick-ass dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, he was he was beating up guys in old barns or something to according to them. He's like he was Roadhouse, apparently. Yeah, he was Patrick Swayze yeah. in Roadhouse, according yeah. to them. Like I think Jesus would have lost every fight he was in. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> like, but, you know, I mean, that's just maybe he allowed that. He would have allowed it to be like, all right, whatever. Yeah. You know, like, you know, I think I think people forget how many times Jesus barely escapes. Right. Death. People want to throw him off cliffs and things yeah. like that, you know, because he's doing a bad reading in the synagogue and stuff. And. What people forget, I think, as Christians today, because Christianity is so normalized, we forget how um, maybe, maybe, you know, controversial Jesus was. Right, <laughs> right. So if you're not down with somebody who who is controversial, and not in a controversial way as in a violent way, but in a con- who is controversial in the way that he he proclaims that um you know, that that he is the son of god right think about the big boldness of that right people demonize the pharisees for you know not not i mean but the pharisees were just trying to live their religion yeah and you know what's really interesting about that is the the Pharisees were probably the most orthodox, you know, Jewish people uh, at the time, and so when when the New Testament mentions a Pharisee, they're just talking about somebody who's orthodox, yeah. an orthodox Jew. So if you are going to demonize the Pharisees of Jesus's time for for saying that, you know. The, that, that Jesus is being blasphemous for declaring himself the son of God or saying things like, if you've seen me, you have seen the father, right? Things like that. Then you are now saying that every prophet of the old Testament is wrong right. and is a bad guy because they would have thought Jesus, you know, yeah. <laughs> but you know, a lot of prophets were off their rockers. <laughs> <You> <laughs> I mean, there's, have- <laughs> And continue to be <laughs> self-appointed. <laughs> I mean, we have prophets who are street performers who are, you sure. know, I mean, it was, the Old Testament's so weird. Oh, it's incredibly By weird. By today's standards, the Old Testament is so weird. And I think that's why what is missing in the teaching of it at church. We teach it so boring. Boring. I don't know about your, your church, yes. but 
They teach it in the most boring way possible to try and have it make sense to our modern Christian sensibilities. I will say my pastor is pretty good. When, he, when I said that, I was like, wait a minute, I got to take that back. My pastor is extremely good. At doing, he makes it fun, actually. That's good. But That's I would good. say in general, like most churches I've been to, it's extremely boring. But he, I, I think because he presents it as like he's such a flawed person. And then he looks at it and be like, you imagine when Jesus said this, you'd be like, whoa, dude. Like he'll say stuff like, yeah. really? Like, like, and I think I like that take, which is why I've, I've been with that church for 20 something years. Cause like, it's just, it feels flawed. I like that. Yes. Yes. I mean that, 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 what you just said, it's flawed. It's flawed. The Bible is so flawed. Yeah. Everything, every chapter has flaws in it and 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 and, uh whether they're flaws of the original writers or storytellers whether they're flaws of people who who later dictated the stories or or copied the stories there's just flaws everywhere and there's huge flaws in the way that we read them yeah because we don't understand that era and that time and we don't understand what happened when they translated from the hebrew to you know the uh, either the greek or the Mm -hmm. latin and then to english german every other language and we just so you know the term lost in translation you know it's just it's all over the place here and and it's just so much more interesting yeah to look at the flaws and be like wow Wow. Wow. Wow, That's some cool. I mean, genuinely it's cool. Like the, when I used to think the Bible was the word of God, it was really boring. (laughs) Now that I see that it's just a bunch of dudes writing about what they think is true. (laughs) And now it's really interesting. Yeah. I see how it bleeds over to the people. Like one of the things I always appreciate, um, especially where I go to church or uh, watch it online because I'm not in Vegas anymore. But like our pastor was telling a story about this guy who came up to him and was like, pastor, I have to like, I don't know, is something wrong with me? He's like, I watched a football game this weekend and I swore a bunch of times and I drunk a beer. Like, I don't know if that's guide light. And the pastor, he's telling this story to the whole, he goes, who cares? <laughs> he literally goes, so what? And he did a sign. He's like, do you really think that's that important? Like, why would that be important to God? Like, and that is the crux to me of why a lot this 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 rigidity, this perfectionism, these this is not what it's about. Like that Jesus, God cares that I dropped a very large motherfucker when somebody scored a touchdown (laughs) that I didn't like. Yeah. Like, come on, man. I mean, you really think he's out, you know, doing tallies? I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me. You know, You're it's in like, the book. You're in the book. <laughs> you know, when you down. watch the Rams play the Bucks, you are not happy. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a very Christian thing of you. It's like it was a human thing. Yeah. But I, <laughs> I think God wants us to be human. He wants us to be human. Right. God created humans and he called it good. He called it good. And Jesus and said, I will give you my son in human form to show yeah. you. I will show you how much I love you. I'm going to give you this person. Be just like, you know, like, it's, it's incredible, actually. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and you know, Jesus humanizes religion when he takes yes. away the rigidity of it. And he says, 
be kind to other people. Yeah. And he says, you know, you did this for me. You did that for me. And they say, oh, when do we do that? When you did it to somebody else, you did it unto me. That's right. You did it for me. You did it for me. It, that is outside of every every temple and every church building that is outside of, you know, it, it's it's not about hymns and worship. It's about being a good neighbor. Right. We're going to stone these people. Jesus. Okay, well, <laughs> like, well, you yeah. was cast the first stone. Basically, yeah. was never saved. You never done anything wrong. You know what? Then you can go throw the stone at this person. Jesus was a smooth criminal man. He was like, no, <laughs> like so. I write about this in in my little book I've been working on, and I write about how when Jesus says that, if you, if we are to believe that Jesus was perfect and without sin, it was an invitation to himself to also cast the first stone. Let he who is without sin, self-referential, very meta. Yeah. Cast the first stone. Now Jesus is the only one present Who's who is, sin. who can <laughs> yeah. cast that stone. Right. But he doesn't do it. No. And I just think that is the perfect metaphor that we should be taking to God for, for God. If Jesus won't stone us and he is God's represent, if we've seen the, if we've seen Jesus, therefore we've seen the father and Jesus won't stone somebody taken in sin, then God won't either. That's the parallel. That's the parallel. That's man. the analog that we're <laughs> supposed to be getting. No, it's a warrior. Jesus. It's the guy who like, he's kicking ass in a saloon regularly, man. Like, he's, he's stoning everybody. He's stoning everybody. He's commando. You know, it's like his like, Samuel L. Jackson moment. Let he who is without sin, <laughs> yes, the first stone. And he's, he's got a stone in his hand. And right. He's ready to cast it. He's Pulp Fiction. Jesus, man. You know, he's like in there. He's talking about Big Macs. He's assassinating people. It's like, oh, man. Come on. Give me a break. <laughs> it's a funny parody. It's it funny is funny. Parody, like really? Like if anybody believes it, that's that's sad. That is a sad <laughs> thing. What's not sad is this is Simon. Good stuff about Simon time. This, I'm, <laughs> yes. I'm running with this every single time, man. I this love, is a hey, great man, segment. I'm into it. Every Makes time. people listen to the end. <laughs> like, <laughs> This is why I enjoy my time with Simon is these really deep conversations. And I guess what people would consider controversial on some level, I think it's just curiosity, asking questions yeah, and uh, getting to down to some really deep things. So thank you. I always appreciate that about you, man. I always appreciate that about you. You know, I always know no matter how corny the movie we're about to talk about is we are eventually we might start there. We might not even talk about it, but you know, we will eventually get onto something that is universally, I think, interesting yeah. and of worth in our conversations. Yes. That's why, you know, and that's why I look forward to these conversations. Like I said, I don't like the small talk. <laughs> When's the last, last time you fell in love? Last time you were in love? <laughs> that's uh that's unbelievable, by the way. I'm so clumsy today. <laughs> you are. The You're knocking stuff over. And stuff. <laughs> you came in hot today, too. You're like, wait a minute, this light. <laughs> it's I've been really blonde lately. Really it's blonde. okay. Yeah. It's okay. We all have me too. I mean, yeah, <laughs> like, it's okay. I'm constantly <laughs> like well, Simon. Thank you so much for another great conversation, man. I appreciate oh. it. 
Thank you so much, man. Next time, man. I look forward right. to it. Talk to you soon. All right, man.